94.7 Kumu Kokua, because Kumu cares. Uh, every day we bring in one of Hawaii's leaders or experts to talk about the issues that you care about and answer uh, the issues that you care about during the COVID-19 crisis. And they're here to answer your questions as well. Uh, today, we're going to tackle a really tough topic about what to do if you are in lockdown in a home with an abuser. And so this morning, we brought in one of Hawaii's biggest experts on this topic. Uh, we have Nancy Creedman, CEO of the Domestic Violence Action Center here in Honolulu. Good morning, Nancy. Good morning. Thank Hello. you for having me. Hi. Thank you. Thank you. Um, you know, today we're going to talk about how the pandemic has increased domestic abuse. You and I were, were chatting off air uh, yesterday about this. So uh, we want to get into that in a moment uh, and then to help people understand what to do if they are shut down uh, on lockdown with an abuser. Um, but before we get into that, can you just kind of help us understand uh, for people who don't uh, aren't familiar with the Domestic Violence Action Center. Can you kind of explain what you folks do so people know, uh, you know, from what expertise you speak with? Yes, of course. Thank you. Thank you for that invitation. So the Domestic Violence Action Center is uh, kind of a full-service agency. Mm-hmm. We have about uh, 50, a little more than 50 people on staff uh, working in a variety of different programs. So we have attorneys on staff, who currently are representing uh, survivors in temporary restraining order cases. It's the only calendar that the judiciary uh, has functioning right now. Uh, The divorce and the paternity calendars are suspended until the stay-at-home directive is lifted. So we have a team of attorneys and paralegals who work together. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have advocates who help people navigate the barriers and the difficult choices they must make and understand what their options are and understand what the community resources are. Uh, We have a program called TAP 808, which is designed to work with our young people. Uh, So when school is in session, they go to uh, middle schools and high schools uh, statewide to talk about healthy relationships and the warning signs, uh, red flags, uh, we have a uh, staff of advocates on site at court. It's called the Expo Program, mm-hmm. and they help people who are filing petitions for restraining order. It's a pretty unfamiliar process for everyone. So when you get there, you have the opportunity to meet with uh, an Expo advocate who helps explain uh, what you should um, anticipate, uh, what you might want to think about in terms of the petition you're filing for protection. Um, They help with safety plans. Um, They generally uh, help the person navigate their way through the um, court system. Mm -hmm. Then we have uh, specialized um, bilingual, bicultural advocates. So a Japanese advocate who works with Japanese nationals, Kofa, working with our Marshallese community, Mm -hmm. Korean, working with our Korean community, um, Filipina, Uh, We have a program that is working exclusively with survivors who are Native Hawaiian. Um, Wow. We have a helpline so people can uh, call or text uh, or chat all day long. We've just extended it to 24 hours. So that's a really important feature because sometimes uh, it is impossible to make a telephone call with an abuser standing by or standing in the next room. Mm -hmm. But everybody texts these days. And if you're working from home and you're sitting at your laptop, you could chat. Uh, You go to our website, 
domesticviolenceactioncenter.org, and the chat box will pop up. And you can ask any questions and uh, get support or think through a safety plan that way. Mm-hmm. I so see that's it. pretty much what the domestic violence. We do a lot of you know community education, serve on a lot of committees, try to basically make the system work better than mm-hmm. it's currently working. Yeah, that's what we do. So you attack it from a lot of different areas, from advocacy, from the legal side, from uh, support on the ground, right. uh, that sort of thing. Okay. Right. So can you, yeah. since you have, you know, kind of like your finger on the pulse in so many different areas, can you help us clarify, has there been a rise in domestic abuse here in Hawaii? We hear conflicting reports about that. What is your sense on the ground? Our sense on the ground is there absolutely has been an increase. It's impossible to imagine there not being an increase. Um, the recipe for danger is a stay-at-home directive where you have no options, you are not going to work, your your partner is not going to work, you're not uh, visiting with friends or family, you are not out of that person's sight for uh, any period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't take uh too much of a stretch of the imagination to think about uh, what that uh, power that gives uh, to an abuser. Um, everybody is feeling, um, you know, kind of powerless uh, currently, mm-hmm. and uh, that is one of the dynamics that exists in uh, an abusive relationship. The abuser has power over their partner. That's the only person. Uh, they have power over. And in these particular times when they're feeling particularly powerless, they're going to be exerting power over someone. Mm -hmm. And that would be the person who is their prisoner at home. Um, So we're quite concerned about it. Uh, We think the increase is going to exponentially grow when the shelter at home directive is lifted. We're imagining uh, women running out of their houses uh, saying, I I thought he was going to kill me. My kids are traumatized. I got to get out of here. Right now, people are uncertain about where to go or whether there are domestic violence programs open Mm -hmm. and available to help, which is what's so important and wonderful about this uh, radio opportunity is to be talking to your audience saying, yes, our domestic violence programs in this community are open, and uh, you can call or text or chat and get help. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you think also the economic pressures that people are feeling, is that, gonna, is that aggravating uh, abuse situations as well? It may be, but um, I just want to clarify that um, the loss of a job or economics doesn't cause domestic violence. Of course. I mean... If you live with a partner and they have not abused you in the past, the loss of their job is not going to turn them into an abuser. So although people want to think that, well, we're under so much stress, that must be the explanation for why domestic violence is increasing. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I would, it would be silly to say that that has no bearing on it, but it's important to really understand what the dynamics are and what the 
behavior pattern is. Otherwise, we'll get pretty mixed up as a community and think, oh, well, this is all going to go away once people are back to work. Right, right. That, is, it. that simply isn't the case. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Can you help us understand in Hawaii in a normal year, like let's say last year, how many yeah. cases are we talking about? And then, and then I want to compare it with what's happening right now. Well, that's uh, that's a little difficult to say. Uh, our data collecting and data tracking is not very sophisticated. For example, the police may make an arrest for abuse of family and household member, mm-hmm. but they also may make an arrest for terroristic threatening or kidnapping or trespass or property damage, mm-hmm. but they don't designate who the person is that has been the victim of the property damage or the kidnapping or the sexual assault. Got it. So we don't really have a clear picture of the incidents. Um, I mean, I can tell you what, you know, the Domestic Violence Action Center did last year. And Mm -hmm. at the end of this year, I can tell you what we did. Um, But that's only the lucky few who find us. Yeah. There are a lot of people out in the community who haven't um, become familiar with us yet. Um, Hopefully much of the community outreach and media opportunities we've had uh, will introduce the Domestic Violence Action Center to lots more people. Mm -hmm. Um, You have? I'm sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, uh, we have a sense, um, like, how many temporary restraining orders were mm-hmm. granted last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the First Circuit, which is uh, Island of Oahu, City and County of Honolulu, uh, around uh, 3,000. Whoa. Um, this year, we don't know yet, um, but what we are seeing, since we have a team out there at court, is a lot of people are not showing up. Uh, for their, it's a two-step process. The mm-hmm. first step is you file a petition that says, this is why I'm afraid, this is why I believe I'm in imminent danger. And then the judge issues an ex parte, which means on your word, an ex parte order. Uh, it's called a temporary restraining order. Then you come back to court two weeks later for the order for protection, and um, each person is able to tell the judge in their own words you know, why they do or don't need the uh, protective order. A lot of people aren't showing up these days for that for a variety of reasons. Again, the fear is so great. Um, transportation is limited. Mm-hmm. Um, the ability to uh, get someplace is interrupted. Um, the uncertainty is very unclear. Okay, okay. Um, I mean, I think, you know, the one way economics is really going to impact this, you know, the loss of a job, is people are going to have fewer options. Yeah, yeah. Victims are not going to be able to leave because they don't have any money to go with or they don't have any place to go. Right. Although I should say, I should say that we have also a program, it's called the Advance Program, where we make uh, rental assistance and utility assistance available to survivors. 
Oh, that is so very they can get, yeah. That's yeah. very helpful. Yeah, yeah. yeah re- relocation, uh, rental assistance, and all kinds of things. So that's. I'm sorry, I left that out before. Yeah, Nancy, we are going to get into more of the types of aid and assistance uh, shortly. Um, I did want to ask you one really quick. We have to go to a break in a moment, but I okay. did want to ask you a okay. very fast question because we were talking earlier. I know you were saying it's hard to measure by oh by TROs or so forth. We don't know this year's numbers yet, but on the ground for the domestic. Violence Action Center, you guys are seeing an uptick in the number of calls and, and requests for help, right? Yes, we are. Yes, we, we most definitely are. Our uh, hits to our website have gone up 77%. Whoa. And our uh, contact with our helpline has gone up 68%. Oh, gosh. So people need help. Yeah, yeah. Very, very clearly. Yeah. Kumu Kokua, because Kumu cares. We're in the middle of our Kumu Kokua segment with Nancy Creedman, who is CEO of the Domestic Violence Action Center right here in Honolulu, uh, talking about domestic abuse and how it's gone up, uh, apparently, during the pandemic. Can you answer, Nancy, for us a question? Because we're hearing so many conflicting reports from various agencies, you know, not just locally, but nationally, where uh, some agencies have said, yeah, no, no change in the domestic abuse. Nothing's really happening. Why would that be underreported that way? Most of the reports uh, and articles that I'm reading and the publications and the alerts that are coming out uh, across the planet indicate a pretty stark increase. Mm -hmm. France uh, has reported a large increase, Italy, Spain. The UN Secretary General uh, issued a public statement about uh, the rise in domestic violence. Um, I can't explain uh, really here why locally um, the uh, law enforcement uh, is saying that it uh, hasn't increased. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have heard a few um, anecdotes from uh, survivors who have ultimately found us tell us that uh, when the police uh, arrived at their uh, home, they didn't do anything. Uh, so that wouldn't uh, translate into a report mm-hmm. or be part of a reported number. So if you're counting number of uh, reports made or arrests made, mm-hmm. if the police arrive at a domestic violence incident and don't make a report or don't make a arrest, it's not going to show up. That's the only explanation I um, can uh generate yeah I, yeah for myself mm-hmm. um, but for yourself to- yeah you are yeah. definitely feeling that it that there is an uh, an increase here um maybe can you help our listeners understand um what they can do what resources well first of all for themselves in a home if they are in a home with an abuser and now with this situation under lockdown what kind of advice would you give someone in a situation like that Yeah, that's a really, really important question. Thank you. Um, The first thing I would suggest is have them call us or another domestic violence uh, program and talk through a safety plan. A safety plan is a blueprint 
for the moment when it arrives that you are in danger. Mm-hmm. When a person is in danger and you're in crisis, it's very hard to think through, what am I going to do? What should, what should I do now? But if you have thought about it and uh, created a plan in your mind, you can execute it at that moment when you're in danger. Mm-hmm. Uh, it may involve, uh, for example, uh, being absolutely mindful about not being in the kitchen where there are knives or in the bathroom where there are a lot of hard surfaces. Mm-hmm. Um, it may mean um, developing a code word or um, an image that you can transmit to a family member or a neighbor that um, gives them permission to call the police or gives them permission to come over now and drive by and honk the horn and I'll run out. Mm -hmm. I mean, each situation is quite different. So I don't want in any way to convey uh, convey the idea that there's one safety plan for everyone. Everybody's um, situation is different. The lethality is different. The danger is different. Um, The arrangement in their house is different. Their options are different. So the best thing to do would be to um, call the Domestic Violence Action Center or text us um, or chat with us, and we'll help you think through a safety plan. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. With that safety um, plan, now it sounds like the the kinds of um, possible elements to a safety plan sounds like something more of kind of like a, a relationship kind of abuse situation. Do you have situations also that involve kupuna? abusive kapuna, uh, and then what kind of safety plan would you suggest for them? That's a, a really important question. Uh, we would help, obviously, uh, we would help anyone who is um, being victimized. Mm-hmm. Our expertise is really partner abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, the barriers for kapuna are, are quite different. Um, their options are even fewer mm-hmm. than a victim of partner abuse. Um, their level of dependence is enormous on the person who's taking care of them. Mm-hmm. If it's an adult child or a family member, um, so that uh, I would encourage um, either a, a neighbor or a friend or a family member to call Adult Protective Services. Mm-hmm. Um, and they would be able to go into the home and uh, conduct an assessment. Um, maybe they do it by Zoom or um, some other way of communicating with the kapuna to find out um, what the level of risk is. Um, it's 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 pretty frightening to be an elderly person at the mercy of somebody who's taking advantage of you or hurting you or yeah. neglecting you. Yeah, yeah. You actually, and, and, and you said something interesting where you said, you know, having a neighbor or a friend call Adult Protective Services. Yesterday when you and I were talking story about this issue also, um, uh, I think you said something about, so the rest of us all out here, you know, family and friends of people who might possibly be in an abusive situation, we have a kuleana too, right? There's something that we can do, even a responsibility, or at least something that we can do caring uh, uh, to help there. Can you you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Um, It's really, really important now, in particular, for friends and family, co-workers, uh, who may have once felt a concern about somebody that 
they see often, whether it's a family friend or coworker. Um, but they decided against talking to them about it for whatever reason. Oh, it's really not my business, or I don't want to ruin our friendship, or I don't know whether I'm right or I'm just exaggerating what I'm seeing. Um, if you are that person, now would be the time for you to call up, reach out, send a message, send a text, send an email, and say, how are you? I'm here for you. Do you need any help? I've had some concerns. I'm, con- I'm, I'm really concerned now. Mm-hmm. I want to make sure you're okay. Is there any way I can support you? Is there anything that you need that um, I can help you with? Uh, we really want the community to step up and um, be there as a support. Listen with an, with, with an open heart. Um, people have a lot of judgments about uh, victims and why they stay or why they didn't do something or why they're exposing their kids to it or why whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, we want to encourage people to suspend judgment, uh, recognize that um, leaving an abusive relationship is the most dangerous time for a victim. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we really have to uh, put that in sharp focus, um, which is another reason why safety plans are good, because we want people to be able to leave safely. Um, but if you are a neighbor or a coworker or a family member or a friend and you have worried about your friend for whatever reason, and, and, and maybe you haven't seen bruises, but the partner is very controlling, doesn't mm-hmm. allow you to uh, join company birthday parties or company holiday uh, celebrations or uh, drops you off and picks you up every time you go someplace, those are red flags. Mm-hmm. Um, Isolation is a very big um, behavior uh, tactic that abusers uh, use. And uh, as a community, we have to break through that isolation. And that would be a phone call, a text, a chat, an email. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, Nancy, you know, uh, one of the things that's not talked about a lot, too, is that um, when you're talking about abusers, you're not just talking about uh, women being abused by men, but also men can be abused by women as well. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it, it goes both ways, which I, which yes. I think is interesting because over the years, uh, not as much attention has been paid to that. And right. but that happens as well. And if, if there's a man out there who is Correct. undergoing the same kind of stuff, you right. have to think about keeping yourself safe as well, correct? Most definitely. Uh, we help anybody who is a victim of uh, partner abuse, no matter uh, what gender they are. And um, all of our domestic violence programs in the community do as well. Uh, we generally, and I should have made this di- disclaimer at the beginning of our conversation, um, I generally use she and he just because the vast majority of um, victims that we see are women and perpetrators are male. Um, And in fact, many of the male victims are um, victims uh, in a a same gender relationship. So they are Mm. also being abused by a male. Mm. Um, Mm -hmm. it's It's not impossible nor is it unimaginable, and nor is it true that we've never seen this, that women abuse men, because certainly they do. And, and I think the, the part about it for people is to try to get beyond the, 
the shame of it. I mean, either either way, if you're yeah. a man or a yeah. woman yeah. Who's, who's who's suffering yeah. from this, yeah. that it's the not stigma. your fault. Yeah. Somehow right. that I think becomes such a such a stigma to uh, to get right. around, and and you. Yeah, that's really. Uh, yeah. yeah. So. Well, it's very embar- I mean, it's very embarrassing to be a victim of domestic violence. You think you have done something wrong. Uh, somehow you've provoked it or you haven't been the best partner or you haven't been the best mother or you haven't been the best provider or you haven't been the best whatever. And um, because those are the messages that you're hearing from your partner Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you start to internalize them. And then you think, Oh God, are people going to think that about me? Are they, you know, they're, they're going to uh, make judgments about me, and nobody wants anybody making judgments mm-hmm. about them. Mm-hmm. And they're mm-hmm. not really sure, wh- you know, where the line is. You know, is it, is it me, or is it him, or, like, maybe if I just, you know, made dinner faster, or made what he wanted, or, oh, you know, whatever it is, um, maybe help the kids be quiet, or take better care of the kids, or whatever, mm-hmm. um, I wouldn't be in this situation. Or if I just did what he wanted me to do, I wouldn't be in this situation because that's what he's telling her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's important for people to know that there is not ever an excuse for violence that way, regardless of what Correct. they're internalizing. Correct. Right. Correct. Yeah. So if they are in an abusive situation, so what kinds of resources you were starting to talk about, you know, uh, 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 things that the Domestic Violence Action Center uh, is offering. Can you go into a little bit of detail about yeah. what kinds of resources yes. are available? Yes, absolutely. So the first one, of course, I mentioned was our advance program which is um, emergency cash assistance, rental assistance, utility assistance. Again, when people are losing jobs, uh, the first thing they're going to have difficulty doing is paying their rent or their Mm -hmm. mortgage or whatever. Uh, We can help them with that. Um, We have um, made quite a few uh, advanced disbursements in the last month, more than 30 um, diapers, food, uh, rental assistance, utility assistance, transportation, bus vouchers. Um, so there, are, there is, you know, emergency assistance mm-hmm. uh, cash out there. Um, there's uh, the support through our helpline. Mm-hmm. Um, there is support uh, from our advocates who will help you uh, think through what your next steps are, what your next safest steps are. There are attorneys who will help you through the temporary restraining order process or will help you um, position yourself uh, to file for a paternity or divorce case when the courts open again. Mm -hmm. There are also um, shelters. Uh, We are right now working uh, to try to secure some hotel rooms and uh, possibly some Airbnb accommodations uh, for uh, survivors uh, who are unable to go to the shelter either because they are filled to capacity or um, they cannot risk exposure Mm -hmm. uh, to staff or current residents at shelter. Mm -hmm. So we're trying to uh, generate some collaboration with hotels so that we can house people in hotels. we are uh, trying, we've uh, received a phone call from um, Uber uh, last week. Mm-hmm. You know, they are trying to generate a program where transportation is provided uh, to uh, victims. 
We are participating with the food bank uh, to provide information at their food drives so mm-hmm. that if um, a car comes by and um, maybe the car only has a woman in it or a family in it and there is kind of an intuitive and professional assessment that there's danger here, they will offer them some information. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we're trying to be, you know, very uh, visible and accessible so people can um, make contact when they're ready. Right mm-hmm. now, everybody doesn't um, take the same path, and they're not ready at the same time, and they're not, you know, they don't want to give up on it just yet, or they don't really have a sense of what their options are. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, just, you know, scan the uh, internet and see uh, what their options are, what people in other communities are doing, and to find reassurance that we're doing those same things here in um in Honolulu. Yeah. So yeah. they can they can reach out and, and get some help. Yeah. I know what you're saying about about everybody being different at a different stage or whatever. It's, uh, speaking for myself as a survivor, I know it's, you know people who are in these situations, you're always doing like this cost benefit weighing in your head. Is it is it right. is it worth it for me to speak up? Is it worth it for me to go now? Is it worth it for me to to leave, you know, with do I take the kids or, or not? Do I, right. you know, all these right. kinds of things are going right. through one's head and so everybody's going to be ready at different times, but when they are ready to take that first step, and you've listed this wonderful long list of resources that are available there, the first step, of course, though, would be to reach out. And you mentioned the helpline, the texting, and the website chat. Those are three different things that you guys are right. offering as well, right? What's the the um, the uh, benefit of using each one of those individual ones? Like the helpline is a warm line that you can talk to somebody but, but right. that might be hard, right, sometimes for somebody right, to do definitely. that. Well, it's, that's why we added mm-hmm. the text and the chat feature, because it became immediately apparent to us that you're not free to make a telephone call. How are you ever going to make a phone call and ask for help uh, while your abuser is within earshot? Mm-hmm. I mean, you just can't, you just can't do it. Yeah. But everybody's texting these, these days. So let me uh, give the text number. It is 605-956-5680. Let me repeat that back for our listeners. 605-956-5680. Correct. That's for texting. Okay. Correct. All right. Um, and the chat, which is, you know, handy in a different way. Everybody is, you know, kind of sitting at their kitchen table or their desk mm-hmm. at home with their laptop open because they're working from home. They can go to our website, uh, org, mm-hmm. and a chat box will pop open, and you can um, ask uh First of all, you can see all of the program services that we have available and think about, you know, what you may need help with um, and then maybe ask a question if you're ready. Um, and again, people don't do take these first steps, which are gigantic steps. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's sort of like once you say out loud in your own head or to somebody that you're talking to or even committing it to a text box or a chat box, it's almost like 
you're forcing yourself to do something. Mm-hmm. It's like you're you're kind of going, oh gosh, I I have to I have to do something. Yeah. If this is real, I have to do something. Yeah. And you know what I want to remind people is you don't have to do anything you're not ready to do, but you can collect the information and think about it and figure out what's the best next step for you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, Do you have options? Do you need to create options? Do you need that safety plan first? Um, Can you put into place a little um, collection of uh, your important documents, maybe your children's birth certificates, maybe a a duplicate car key? Um, Those are sometimes the first things that an abuser will um, make it impossible for a victim to get access to mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is and the, yeah. dupl- the duplicate car key. Yeah, and that's um, the first step of like kind of empowerment, right? You're taking you're you're taking an action that that gets you in control of your situation, or at least begins correct. to. Yeah. Okay. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there's a there's a bunch of different ways that a person can approach it, mm-hmm. and they can proceed with caution, and they can proceed at their own pace. Um, we want to really underscore that um, the being a prisoner in your own home with an abuser is very dangerous. Yes. And um, I was having a conversation with uh, one of our uh, team uh, who is at family court, and she said they were seeing uh, pretty lethal uh, cases. Oh. So, uh, again, when abusers are feeling powerless and need to exert power, mm-hmm. which is the fundamental dynamic in the relationship, mm-hmm. one person has power over the other, um, they uh, will go to great lengths to exert that power. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If there are firearms in a home, that uh, exponentially increases the danger. Yeah. So that's something to be aware of. Yeah, if yeah. your partner has firearms or, you know, um, has access to firearms, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. be aware that uh, that increases the danger quite a bit. Of course. I see what you're saying. So the first step then, again, uh, if if you find your, if you out there are listening and you find yourself in a situation uh, like this involving domestic violence. So uh, uh, Nancy here is uh, suggesting that the Domestic Violence Action Center would be a good place to start. And uh, and she did mention the website with its live chat, which, by the way, Nancy, I just want to tell you while while I, I, I just tested out that live chat function. And indeed, somebody is right there <laughs> Good. <laughs> right now. Uh, I'm just, happy to hear it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they, so so uh, if you are listening out there uh, and, and wanted to engage in the Domestic Violence Action Center live chat on their website, there is somebody who will respond right away right there. Um, and also there's the texting you can do from the phone and mm-hmm. uh, you can or you can call their uh, uh, their helpline, which is a, a live person right there. Is that, and you said that's 24 uh, 7? Yes. Okay. Um, the, the chat and the uh, text mm-hmm. is 24 hour. Okay. Yes. Okay. Okay. I, I should mention also one other thing that we haven't spoken about yet, and that is everybody is expected to homeschool, be homeschooling their mm-hmm. children. Mm-hmm. Through distance learning programs. Yes. Now, that doesn't come easily to everybody. I don't think I could homeschool anyone. <laughs> and many um, families don't have the devices 
that are necessary to do distance learning. Mm -hmm. So they don't have tablets or iPads or laptops. We have just gotten um, two grants, uh, one from the uh, Clarence T.C. Ching Foundation, um, and the other will be coming from the Department of Health to provide uh, tablets and um, laptops for children and for survivors who are enrolled in academic programs. Mm -hmm. So that's uh, going to be forthcoming as well. Oh, that's awesome. That is very, very helpful. Okay. All right. Uh, Anything else that you, any other guidance that you want to let our listeners know about? This has been so, so very helpful. Yeah. Oh, good. I'm glad. I'm glad. I, I, I guess I do want to encourage people to call 911 uh, if they um, hear uh, something going on next door or nearby. Mm -hmm. Um, At the very least, what that does is it interrupts the assault that's taking place at that moment Mm. when the the police show up. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Whether or not a report is ever written or an arrest is ever made is almost immaterial to that moment. She might be able to run out the door while the police are there. Yeah. yeah. Or, you know, or, or whatever. I mean, I hate mm-hmm. to make it sound so graphic, but I don't in any way want to discourage anyone from calling the police. We need the police. They are our partners in addressing domestic violence. Yeah. So if you hear something that you're concerned about, please do call 911. Okay, good advice. Yep. All right, thank you, uh, Nancy. Thank we're you, gonna, Nancy. Yeah, really, really appreciate all this really good information, and we're yeah. gonna post all those uh, the numbers for the Oahu helpline. Oh, good. Yeah, and for yeah. um, and I believe the Oahu helpline. In other words, that line that you can actually talk with someone. Eight oh eight. Is it the five three one three seven seven one number? Yes, it is. Okay, yes, so that is. that's for yes, talking for uh, with someone here on Oahu. Uh, we also have the text line as well. All those things that we're gonna post on our Kuma. Facebook and the website, uh, Nancy Creedman from the Domestic Violence Action Center. Thank you so much for being with us here on Kumukukua. Tons of great information. Thank you, Nancy. Thank you. Thank you for having me.